Welcome back to the Cold Star Project, the podcast about the unexpected challenges of scaling businesses. Let's get into some process improvement methodology today. I wanted to look at the difference between symptoms and the problem. Symptoms are surface level things. The problem, well, the problem is often obfuscated. It's hard to find and define. I get really concerned when I'm on a strategy call, a diagnosis call with somebody, and they want to self-diagnose. That's like going to the doctor and saying, hey, I've got this illness. Can you write the prescription for me, please? If you knew how to solve the problem, you'd have solved it yourself. And that means, as hard as it is for your ego to understand this and accept this, you don't understand the nature of the problem. And it's as true for me as it is for you. I'm not exempt from any of this stuff in my own business. It is a heck of a lot easier, I have found, to look at what somebody else is doing than your own stuff. Because you've got all this stuff built in, right? Your head's full of all this other junk. And everything looks as valuable or is as important as everything else. So you don't know what the salient details are. Salient is what sticks out. I went through something called the Operations Management Program. 1994 through 1996. Took 10 and 11 courses a term. There were 50 people who started and 30 who graduated. That is a 40% failure rate. The workload was super high. And they just beat this process improvement methodology into us (laughs) so that you could just say it in your sleep. Now, when you start looking at process improvement project, You need to understand that no one knows what the problem is. No one. Not you, not your people, not me, not my analysts. No one knows. So, if you go out there and you try and fix symptoms, which are all you've seen and heard, are a bunch of symptoms, and you think that that's the problem, you are not going to fix anything. You're going to run around trying to fix these symptoms and really, truthfully, fix nothing. We have to get to the root problem. There is a thing that is causing all the other issues, and I call this the smoke. The smoke are all the other issues, right? You know when there's a troll online, there's a lot of smoke. People burning up, okay? The person who is the troll is usually not the people raging about the troll, right? And getting all uppity and (laughs) bursting into flame, right? The troll's sitting back laughing. So your attention is distracted into the wrong thing. You're like, well, let me control that guy who's yelling. Well, the guy who's yelling isn't the cause, the root cause of the problem. I'm going to share, <laughs> if you've got a weak stomach, you should probably turn off. Okay, come back for a future episode or go listen to an interview or something like that. Because I'm going to share a very graphic, disturbing bit of imagery It will forever make the point of what I'm trying to show you here. And I bet you 10 years from now you remember this. Okay, I have people who do remember it. We begin our imagery by imagining a homicidal man with a rifle climbs up into a campus bell tower. Once up there, he begins methodically firing at students, injuring and killing several. So what happens? Down below, other students and some faculty are there. They notice what's going on. They freak out. 
scream, yell, duck into cover, and some notify the police. And you got a whole bunch of police vehicles coming, probably to one side of the campus. The policemen fan out to try and identify where's the shooter. What's the location? Let's eliminate the threat. Now, if we froze the frame right here, we would see a bunch of symptoms indicating that there's a problem, okay? And these are in no order, no special order. And these are just some, there are others. We hear the sound of rifle fire. We see corpses, kind of around the bell tower. We see wounded people, also around the bell tower. We've got our police sirens making noise and their vehicles, cop cars and that, on one side of the campus, the tower. Cops fanning out from one side of the tower. Students hiding behind trees, going into buildings, ducking behind, I don't know, concrete parking barriers or something like that. You know, anything to get out of the way of being shot. And, and they're behaving in an odd way compared to the way the students normally behave, right? Normally they'd be walking to and from buildings. And if we could kind of in the video game free camera movement version as invisible observers float up and get close enough, we could see shell casings on the bell tower floor. I'll bet you you can think of some other symptoms. Now, what happens if we concentrate on just one of these symptoms, which is what often happens inside organizations, and we try to solve the problem? We think we're solving the problem when we're only dealing with the symptom. So let's say we tried to deal with the sound of rifle fire. This stuff's scary. We don't want to hear it. Let's put up sound baffles. Let's issue earplugs to everyone. What about the corpses? Well, we can't have those lying around. They're scary. Hey, they might come back to life, you know. They'll eventually spread disease. Let's take them away to the morgue, okay? Wounded people. They're making a lot of noise. They're making a mess. They're disrupting the educational process, for crying out loud. Let's organize them into one triage spot and treat them for their wounds. We got police sirens and vehicles. These things are scary to people. They take up space that should be used for other purposes on the campus. Let's get them out of here. Policemen. Hey, there's too many police around. People get concerned about a police state. Let's limit the number. Okay? We only need one. Scared students hiding in cover. Well, let's create a training program to motivate these students, help them feel safe, and encourage them to participate more in their campus activities. Shell casings. Look at all this unsightly litter. Let's pick it up. You see how ridiculous this is? What happens when you concentrate solely on each symptom individually? You see that the solution completely fails to deal with the root problem. See that? Each solution is ridiculous. When we know with our God vision right now what the root cause of the problem is. And in the act... <laughs> Perverse incentives, law of second-order consequences. In the act of implementing each of these solutions, we are probably sending more people into danger. Even if we could figure out that a crazy man in the bell tower with a rifle was our real problem, by focusing only on one symptom, we could be badly, fatally misdirected, right? 
What if we only looked at the position of the police vehicles? Our attention would completely be on the wrong spot, wouldn't it? So this is how it is with your business improvement project. Do not leap at fixing a symptom merely because you can. It is critical to dig. Get all the data you can. Keep asking why. You know, it's kind of stupid in a way because you get to the it's to save the world, right? You ask why seven or eight or nine times, right? You're eventually going to get there. But on the way, bet you you come across your real problem. I want you to notice in the example we just covered how one man acting alone is causing so much trouble, putting up so much smoke for many, many other people. I mean, there are so many distractions away from this root cause, second order, third order consequences caused by his actions. There are people, I'll bet you miles away, caught up in a traffic jam because of this, and they have no idea what the source of the thing is. There is so much to look at and get caught up in fixing if you're not careful. So just because we can offer some kind of a solution, and in business this could be a website or SEO or video marketing or sales training or even process engineering, doesn't mean that we should. If the client's business model is totally flawed, for example, none of these will really help, will they? I'll help you engineer your way quicker into oblivion by serving more people faster. <laughs> so obviously we need something that is a repeatable and effective means for filtering through the systems and reaching that core problem. This is a process. A process that I was trained in is a methodology called SHREDM. S-R-E-D-I-M. These are the first letters of words. <laughs> and the acronym says, you say, SHREDM. That's how we solve problems, okay? The S stands for SELECT. It is easy to blow past the importance of SELECT. I remember my instructors telling me, go back to SELECT. It's actually really important because it's what your attention should be on. You're choosing here. What process improvement should you work on? Where are you going to get the biggest bang for your buck? We're going to analyze data that we gathered, find out what's really going on, not what people tell you it is. That is key, okay? It's important, I think, to ask your, your prospect what they think the problem is because you're going to get into their world, but they're probably wrong. Again, a lot of you aren't going to like to hear that, but you're stuck in your own nonsense. So am I in my business. This is about prioritizing your effort. Picking where you're going to get that biggest bang for your buck. The R stands for record. We're going to zoom in on our subject area and record the data on what's happening. Now, you will hear me talk about honesty being less valuable than truth in my organization, right? Because people will lie to you with hearsay. Not because they're awful people, but because they're interested in self-preservation. Telling you the truth could be a career-limiting move. So you really have to look at the data. When you do this, record the data of what's actually happening, not taking people's word for it. Then you'll uncover what's really occurring. Johnny won't go into Matt's office because he's scared of Matt. This holds up the whole supply chain purchasing process by three days. If you think this isn't happening in your organization and you're over a dozen people, you got another thing coming. 
We have a process for flow charting. We use symbols that are accepted. I appreciate you're not an operations management expert probably, so we're not going to dig into that, but you can look them up. That way, anybody who comes after you can pick up your recording work, your documented processes, and follow along without getting confused. This is an operation. This is an inspection. This is a decision. The E stands for examine. Now we're going to analyze that data we collected in the record step. We're going to look for stuff like Pareto's Law, see if that applies. Are there any weird outliers? Maybe we should cut those out. Maybe they're important. What is the data telling us in terms of the direction of a potential solution? And we need to be careful not to fall into the data mining trap where we pull in data that supports our little pet theory and ignore stuff that doesn't help. We need to be dispassionate. Follow the data. Follow the facts, not your preconceived theories. Because in this stage, we are digging at the problem. Up until now, we've probably seen a lot of symptoms of problems, but these are not the problem itself. The problem is the root cause of all these symptoms. And identifying that problem and getting clarity on it is something that we provide you when we send a cold star agent out and they record what's happening and we bring it back, you know, do the examination and we get insight that you're not going to get on your own because you're trapped inside your vision of how things should be. And again, I'm not exempt from this in my own business. I will have people from outside come and look because they will see stuff that I walk past every day. It's just human nature. D is develop. Flesh out some alternative solutions for the problem, not just one. This is where you can be creative. We used this example before. How does the shape of an egg apply to the solution, right? For the problem. An egg's got a hard shell, soft interior. It changes state when you boil it, that kind of thing, right? These are things you could use. The bars of a jail cell. You can use anything, a cup, right? Jails, what, the bars separate two locations, two rooms, basically, but they allow pass-through. They could be like a filter. Get you thinking, right? Just pick something. Go look around. Look around your environment. Pick something to be creative with. Do not come up with just one possibility and stop there because you might blow past something that would be really good. And we use something called a weighted criteria of evaluation. You'll see this also called a weighted decision matrix to determine which of the alternatives is best. It looks like a spreadsheet, possible solutions listed down the side, features, benefits, other factors across the top. Everything's weighted for importance and then one solution stands out with the highest score. And you might be surprised which one stands out. I hope you're noticing the hands-off, no pet projects. I don't know what the solution is going to be exactly or the best solution is going to be. Attitude here, the perspective. We haven't seen this a lot in our history of philosophy and science, for example, and even theology. People are going out there trying to prove their pet theories rather than see what's really going on, acknowledge reality, and come up with an alternative solution set and pick one without being invested in one of those solutions until you've made the choice with your weighted decision matrix. The I stands for install. 
we're going to implement that new solution. We may apply change management techniques, expect for hurdles, delays, the unexpected. Okay. If we could have co-created the solution as we do in the develop stage, install is going to be much easier, right? We got buy-in from the people who are going to be implementing and using and doing the thing. Why would they fight it? They helped create it. If you're doing top-down, sort of pushing the solution, you might have to make a culture shift. It'd be tough. And then we need to check that people are following the new process step-by-step, step, not substituting their preferred method, or even going back to the old one. Oh, that never happens. <laughs> and the M, finally, is for maintain. That means you need to check back regularly to make sure that we're still on course. People get lazy. People may have even found a better way to improve the process in the meantime and eliminate a step maybe or something. You need to record that and update the process with the reasons why. Confirm that the new process is doing what it's supposed to be doing, achieving the purpose, solving the problem you started the project for in the first place. If not, it's back to select. Okay? I've just given you the core of a two-year program that produces a handful of graduates every year. It's a specialized course of study. You apply Shreddam in your business and really concentrate on select. And when you're recording and examining, developing, not applying any of your own pet theories, but instead being open. Not being attached to any particular outcome, except that your intention is to solve the problem once you've got clarity on it. All right, I hope this is giving you some new ideas. If you want to talk to us about what we can do in terms of finding clarity in your business, finding out what's going on, really going on in your business, and giving you that feeling of, yes, I can put my finger on the problem, I know the nature of what's going on in my business, and we're moving forward, then we should speak.